Welcome to Tales from the Chip, episode 11, with the one and only host of the usual shows, Andrew Mock. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, Dylan. Nice to be here on the other side of the mic. I'm looking forward to it, mate. Um, so, Andrew's Andrew's been a part of three Red Hill Senior Premierships in the Cricket Club. He's played over 100 first games. He's played 200 or over 200 senior footy games. He's um, he's just the the uh, the blood and the the oxygen of this place. And um, Andrew's always here, whether it's supporting the club, being a part of a uh, a gritty match of footy or cricket. And uh, he's definitely the heart of the place. Um, Andy, I heard through <coughs> the grapevine that. You weren't actually born in the state. You were born elsewhere. Can you uh, tell us about the first few years on the planet? Yeah, so that's correct. Um, I was born in the northernmost capital city, Darwin. Um, Mum and dad are both Victorian, but they... Well, obviously, dad's, dad's from Victoria. Um, but they happened to meet in Darwin and stayed there for a few years. So I lived there till um, I was five. Uh, and then had a couple of years in Brisbane. Dad worked for Customs at the time, um, so his job was, you know, that could obviously take him all around the country. Um, so Brisbane for a couple of years, and then uh, down here, just right at the end of 1999. So, so basically, 2000 was my first year in Victoria in in Red Hill. And that was um, the parents straight into buying the farm, or no, so the farm's been here, um, so Dad grew up on the farm, basically, yep. so the mocks have been in, in Red Hill since the 60s. Um, they had a farm in Burwood before that. Right. Uh, so there's Mock Street off uh, Springvale Road in East Burwood, um, which is where the original farm was. Uh, my grandfather bought the farm in Red Hill in 1960, I'm pretty sure it was 60 or 61. Uh, so Dad grew up here and then uh, he he bailed um, and was traveling around Australia and I think it was his second stint in Darwin when he met uh, went, met mum yeah. who's also Victorian she was traveling as well um, so yeah they stayed there for a while dad a sportsman footy cricket dad played footy yeah he played a little bit of cricket um, at Red Hill um, not a whole lot of cricket I don't, don't think he ever played senior cricket definitely played juniors uh, but a bit more footy um, what sort of um era side was he involved in like those so, early 80s of your, your Pierces yeah, and late, Cockies and that or yeah so dad dad knows Cocky and Pierce and all those guys um yeah so late 70s early early 80s um my uncle played a lot longer than that Neville um he played a lot more footy he didn't play cricket at all but he played in the premiership in 1990 in the firsts um dad was more in the seconds he played a little bit in the firsts um but he was mainly the the rover in the seconds, changing changing on the ball with Frankie Degorio. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, so dad, you know, dad knows all the famous Red Hill names, the Degorios and the Prosses and the Holmeses and mm-hmm. Setters and all those names you see on all the everything around here. Yeah. So. Um, so your first year of schooling. Yeah. Was that at Red Hill Consolidated? Yeah. So grade four was my first year down here. Um, Right, grade four, yeah. Grade four, yep. Uh, so I did a couple of years in, in Brisbane um, and then grade four. 
started here with Mrs. Butcher. Oh, Mrs. Boucher. Yes. Um, She's lovely. She was uh, pretty strict. Yeah. Drove a bit of a, you know, ran a, ran a tight ship in there, but really, really uh, good teacher. Uh, yeah, so grade four, that was 2000. Um, and in that class was Nick Shaw. Mm-hmm. So Nick Shaw was in my grade four class uh, and Simon Catchlove. Oh, wow. Um, and Simon's probably actually what led me to cricket. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to play cricket. It would have been, must have been the end of that year. So summer of 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually played my first year of cricket at Main Ridge. I'm not really sure how that happened. I think Dad knew the guy that was coaching the under twelves there, a guy called Murray Dart, um, a surname that you know has a lot to do with cricket later on, but no relation. Um, right. He lived just down the road um, from where we lived at the farm, so ended up at Main Ridge for a season um, with Simon, and then the next year they couldn't field an under 12 side so came to Red Hill was meant to be mate with Simon as well so yeah it actually um, it doesn't bother me that I played at Main Ridge but yeah I'd sort of would rather have been a one club player I guess even though it was one year of you know basically mini cricket Um, yeah well you've been honest you brought it up mate you didn't have to yeah I think I, I think I mentioned it to Fluff or somebody else so can I don't we, know if anyone, if everyone actually knows that, but yeah. I do now. I do now. Can you um, can you talk us through your um, what's this clown doing out here? Someone's turning on the lights yeah. for their dog. <laughs> um, can you talk us through your coaches, which are a pretty memorable part of your your junior, um, you know, cricketing? You always look up to those guys. There's something special about your your junior coaches. Yeah, so yeah, obviously at Main Ridge I had had Murray Dart. Um, he was very, he was a bit of a cricket nuffy. He just loved his loved his cricket. You know, taught taught all the kids to you know, play the right way, and you know, really fair and really um, really taught the basics. I remember that mm-hmm. uh, pretty well. Uh, came up here, had a guy called Glenn Menenzes, I think was his last name. He was. Um, uh, he was an Indian fellow, uh, and he was the same. Loved cricket, absolutely adored cricket, and he was really, really similar. Just push the basics, you know, playing straight, all the basics of bowling, um, bowling it off stump. I remember he used to offer two two snakes if you could hit the off stump when you were right. bowling. So if you hit off stump, you got two snakes. Um, but he was great as well. He'd print out his his awards for um, you know man of the match and and all that every week so he was really really committed to it and um, was he a red red hillian guy did did he come up from the bottom of the hill somewhere I'm not sure where he was from I think he moved away obviously because he hasn't been around for quite a while Um, PK might know more about him but yeah he was a really good junior career coach he was probably a bit of a loss really when he Hmm. He moved. I think he moved into state from memory, but I can't remember exactly. Right. Uh, and then after that, had uh, Steve Mould and Mick Mitchell getting into under 14s, 15s. Yep. Um, they were really good as well. All my junior coaches have been been really good. Did Mick um, play some cricket, or was he just sort of a? Uh, I'm sure he played. I don't think he played at Red Hill. Yeah, um, right. But I'm sure he played when he was younger. Steve, yeah. Steve played a bit. Um, they were really good. 
they were just focused on playing the right way as well, keeping it really, um, you know, trying to keep the enjoyment side of it. They weren't overly focused on winning. Because heavily um, committed in the in the football club as well, those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, when their their kids, so Jake and well, Jake and Jake, sort of moved to, more towards football, they they sort of stepped away from cricket a bit. And then, so under seventeens had uh, it was a combination of Poff, Gary Martin, and Terry Doyle for our for our under seventeens year. Um, so that was interesting I remember arriving to the games at the crack of dawn or wherever they started and seeing Poff's car just parked in a slightly unusual place <laughs> you're thinking why is he parked there yeah um, can probably figure out why he was parked <laughs> where he was um sometimes he would sort of fall out of the car but um <laughs> could we just quickly go back to the under 17 so that was um like the the under 18 mob at the moment that we have but there was an under 17s comp as such or yeah so so my junior sort of span went across um a couple of changes so it started with just 12s 14s 16s yep uh and then they went to 11s 13s 15s 17s interesting um and then it's since gone back mm. with with under 10s and under 18s as sort of a you know a bit of a separate thing so sure um yeah, so when I was that age, it was under 17, so you sort of got that extra year before you had to go into the seniors, which, I don't know, I think that's probably better for retaining players into seniors because, mm. you know, you can you can have some 16-year-olds that are pretty, you know, pretty sort of small and pretty, yep. you know, maybe don't quite have the skills ready for seniors, um, yeah. but that extra year makes a bit of a difference, which, which is then why they sort of added in that under 18s as well just to make it a bit of a a mm. bridge um yeah so 17s i want to go back to <coughs> your, your senior cricket when you were sort of only 12 years old but can you just reel off some other names that were a part of that under 17 side that the yes yeah, so that was that was nick shaw um marto brent ollie mckillop luke doyle um, was sort of the Red Hill side of that and we merged or well, we combined with Bonio for that year because we both both teams didn't quite have enough um, to fill a side so we had sort of four or five Bonio guys um, that helped us make up the numbers so one of them was Tom Collett oh really um, so yeah we had a pretty strong side we lost in the grand final though mm-hmm. um, so we didn't get a flag out of it which is a bit disappointing um, was Glenn in the 15s or something or what what was G doing? Glenn. Uh, Glenn's older than Tom. Oh, is he? So, Glenn was... You wouldn't think so. No. Not in um, maturity levels. No, no. <laughs> Academia. Glenn was... Looks. He would have been around... He would have been hanging around some of the games. He would have been playing at Bonio then, obviously. Yeah. Um, before he came up here. But, yeah, he would have been around a little bit. Um, was Was Tom just fierce to face in the nets at training? One of those guys would be like... Yeah, he was pretty intimidating to... We didn't really train together because the Bonio guys... Of course. ...trained at Bonio and that. Yeah. Uh, but in the games, yeah, particularly sort of at the end of the year when he... You know, he didn't always bowl that seriously in the juniors because he was playing first later that day. So he sort of just rolled his arm over a little bit um, sometimes until the finals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I remember the, the finals, he was pretty sharp. Um, I was keeping back then as well, so... Standing near the boundary. Good, pretty good look at it. Um, 
yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a regret we didn't win that under 17s flag. Would have been nice. Had a bit of a set 17s into ones and that, but mm-hmm. didn't happen. Yeah, so through that time, I'd obviously started playing seniors. Um, I remember my very, very first game of seniors. Uh, I would have been probably 12, maybe even younger. Um, <laughs> and I was hanging around just at, at the farm on a Saturday probably played juniors in the morning and um, and my uncle came around and he goes oh do you want to have a game of cricket and I said oh, oh yeah yeah sure whatever um, and he goes oh go and get your stuff so I ran back home grabbed my stuff and I said oh when's that you know when's the game is it does it start later or whatever and he goes no no it's already going you're in next <laughs> so he'd obviously been around here yeah or something and they've gone oh you know we're short and he's going oh go and grab one of my nephews or something so bottom ground down there and it was the fourths I think it was Tim DeGorio was out there yep. don't remember anyone else except for Tim um, remember I made seven hit a four nice. um, it was back when Barry Johns used to leave the the boundary uh, mowed into the ground so he'd leave the grass like a foot long and right. it was the boundary just a, a ring of it yep. uh, I remember that so that was my first ever game then I remember playing probably the next year or, or maybe two years later playing a few games at the school oh yeah when the fifths used to play there tell us about the um the vibe of playing on that oval with that sort of i don't know it's a bit of a dish and you've got the banks on one side it's yeah it, it was, was, um, was kind of nice playing there yeah we yeah, you always had a bit of shade so it was never never got too hot down there i don't remember i've probably played there three or four times we used to play juniors there very occasionally as well mm-hmm. um maybe if the market was on or something um yeah i didn't mind it and being so small you didn't sort of realize well, sorry being so young you didn't realize how small the the ground was really yeah um, but it never used to get mowed a hell of a lot so i remember turning up a few times and the grass was sort of over your ankles yeah well, if you had the the maintenance man that we have at the moment at the school, Gavin, um, you would have found that... Gavin the, would have been all over it. He would have been all over it. It would have been MCG style. But um. So I remember playing a couple games in there. Um, I have one memory of playing... I'm pretty sure it was against Flinders. Um, and Flinders always used to... Always only used to have three sides, so their thirds were sort of a fair bit better than our fifths. Yep. I remember they had a bowler that was... You know, probably shouldn't have been playing in that grade. Um, and this was before I knew what a thigh pad was. And I got hit on the thigh about <laughs> seven times by this bloke and had like all these just broken bruises on my thigh. And dad going, what the hell happened to you? Yeah. And I think I got a thigh pad pretty soon after that. <laughs> so that was, yeah, played like, you know, three or four games there probably the next year. And then I think when I was probably 14, maybe 15, I played the whole year in the fourths. Yep. Um, so that was sort of like, you know, actually starting to play seniors. That was with like BC, uh, Grant Ryan, um, Paddy Rotherham was in that team. Um, mostly sort of the footy guys. Was that a fun team to be a part of? Yeah, that was very fun. That was sort of, they used to play in the fifths and play one dayers. Yep. And they decided to take it a little bit more seriously and play in the two day comp. So um, that was the fourth playing two dayers. So, Who captain that? Uh, I think Grant Ryan captained it at first, and mm-hmm. then Aaron Holmes we had. Oh, really? Aaron yeah. was in that team. Punter. Tom McCarthy played in that team a bit. 
that was when he was sort of um, back and forth from Adelaide doing uni or whatever he was doing. So he was around a little bit. Yep. Um, made a semi-final that year. Got absolutely flogged in the semi-final. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of an education. Any experienced to... sort of more serious cricketers in that side or were you all sort of a, a younger... Um, we used to have club. Mickey Dornham occasionally. Yep. He was sort of probably the old pro. Left but, armor. But apart from that, yeah, left arm. But apart from that, you, you, I wouldn't have said there was any real pros in there. It was mainly the footy guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was a it was a definitely a learning experience in in cricket and in life. Yeah. Um, it's probably where I had my first stubby. <laughs> Several, oh, you know, first few stubbies. Um, but yeah. the boys would have been there to to look after you in that sense of uh, being introduced to a refreshing beverage as a, a little bit of a minor, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So it was always, it was a good environment. You know, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, a toxic culture or anything like that. They were very sort of um, encouraging, but also sort of protective at the same time. So it was, yeah, yeah it was, it was really good. Um, sure. A year after that went into the twos with, I can't remember who was captain. Pete Williamson started off as captain, but he sort of went into the ones and then stopped playing, and we sort of just had whoever was the oldest captain, I think, most games. What was Frankie playing then? Frank would have been in the threes at yep. that point. So, sure. yeah, the club was sort of struggling a bit then, so played the whole year in the twos. Um, started off with, like, Mato and... And Shorey and, and Ollie and, and Riley even filled in for a couple of games, mm-hmm. being a bit younger. Um, and sort of towards the end of that year, all those guys started to play in the ones, make their debuts, except for Riley. Um, he was a bit younger, and I didn't either. I, I debuted at the start of the next year, so the year after that, um, played the first round or two in the twos and then was in the ones. So, so sort of me, Mato, Shorey, Ollie, all sort of came into the ones within, you know, probably six or seven games of each other. Yep. Uh, and then we're, <coughs> oh, excuse me, and then we're sort of the, um, you know, that was sort of the the side from then on. Are we starting to talk training two times a week and um, being a little bit more serious about your, your endeavours? Yeah, yeah. So that was um, uh, either that would have been the last year of juniors or then... Yeah, it would have been the last year of juniors and then, you know, finished juniors the year after that. So, yeah, that was when you know, I was starting to get a bit more serious. So we had Scott Marone was was captain coach mm-hmm. um, when we all came into the side. And then the next year, Dave McLean. So this is uh, post-Terry Doyle, obviously. Terry was still playing. Yep. Um, when Scott left, Terry would then captain again for another year or two. Yep. Um, but Dave was coaching. Dave didn't play. Um, and I think I said on one of the other episodes that when Dave was coaching, that was probably the most enjoyable mm. year I had sort of just individually, just in terms of me enjoying the game itself and the contest and what did he bring and trying to improve in that? Um, well, he's basically a professional career coach, Dave. So he sort of was a lot different to what we've been used to. He was probably doing a lot of the stuff that Simon did early on mm-hmm. um, back then. Um, 
and he was pretty committed to it as well. So he had a, he had sort of a small group of us that were committed to, to him and he was really committed to us through the year. He didn't miss any trainings. You know, everything was planned. Everything was set up for us. Yep. Tonight we're doing this, tonight we're doing that. Um, and he got some pretty good results out of us. We, you know, we didn't win a whole lot of games, but we were more than competitive and we, you know, we held our own. Um, despite being pretty young like we're a pretty young side apart from Terry and Poff and that was they were probably the two only real senior players and the rest were and Jay um, and Nobby was there a bit as well so yep. you know even Nobby even Nobby and Jay were probably only in their late 20s back then so mm-hmm. um, you know we're a pretty young side and yeah I absolutely loved uh, when Dave was coach and then the next year he wasn't sort of around as much he was a bit more part time mm-hmm um, and it sort of dropped off a, a little bit. Um, we still won some games, still played some reasonable cricket. Um, but yeah, the coaching side of it sort of dropped off a little bit. Sure. Um, but while yeah. we're talking, you and the ones, we might as well just go through those, I don't know, the next decade or whatever of of of, um, of those ones um, seasons. So yeah, let's, let's so go to the next couple. Yeah, so we had Dave for those two years, um, and then we had the Roscoe year. So Ross came to the club, and yep, he had one year where he played, and then the next year we needed a captain coach, and Ross put his hand up. Yep, I can um, imagine he would have embraced that, <clears throat> which was you know it was pretty big of him to do that. Yeah, um, he certainly didn't have to, but you know he saw the club needed needed someone, so he put his hand up. Um, you know, it's no secret that it didn't go that well. We got relegated. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was probably something that had to happen. We'd been hanging on for a long time. We were never really going to make the finals or, or really challenge sort of the way we were going. Um, so something needed to change, and and it did. That was when we got Glenn. Yep. Um, did anyone approach Glenn, or did he did he sort of come over on his own accord? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how that unfolded. Um Ken was president and I remember seeing Glenn, I must have been at footy training or something, Glenn was up here in the in the back room talking to Ken and, and Ross mm-hmm. and Jay maybe. Um, and I, I just knew Glenn from Bonio and through Tom and that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, and then a few years later, it was, a few days later, it was, you know, new captain coach Glenn Collette. So um, I'm not sure sort of who approached you. It might have been a bit mutual. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had Glenn for just the one year, obviously, without unfolded after that. First year in sub-district, made the grand final, uh, got flogged by Pines. Mm-hmm. We probably weren't really ready to win a flag at that point. Um, you know, but we, we had a really good year, obviously. I think Pines were the only team we lost to throughout the year. They beat us a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the next year, a new, uh, new captain coach arrived through Glenn um, that was Darty obviously and then sort of sort of been Darty for the next seven or eight years yeah up until now basically mm. yeah and that was you know obviously along the way there first year with Darty we made the grand final again probably lost a game we shouldn't have lost um, in the grand final to see for Tigers um, so that was disappointing then the next year we managed to win it so that was the first... Who was that against, mate? That was against Rosebud, 2013-14. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yep. 
Um, Darty made 100 in that one, got over the line. Um, and then since then, it's basically been finals every year in district slash peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one year in peninsula we missed the finals. Um, there was the district flag in there, obviously, when we beat Delican Park. Um, Do you want to talk about that game? Because I think that's probably one of the the main final series I've been a part of as a spectator. And every uh, every every cricket day, I had the, the hairs on my back sticking up just watching, and the the result was yeah, just so it was, amazing. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, we so we finished on top, mm-hmm. I think. Um, we'd lost the semi final the year before to Flinders, um, and we were sort of on top all year, and we won the last game, and we were sort of trying to figure out who we were going to play, and. And then we saw it was going to be Flinders. They'd snuck into fourth, and we're thinking, "Oh bloody hell!" You know, probably rather play you know someone else. Flinders beat us the year before in a bit of an upset. Um, we had to play a semi at Graydon's Road because the show was on. Um, so that sort of became our home away from home a little bit. Yep. Because um, then the grand final was there too, obviously. Did some training there as well during we the had week. A bit of a hit there, yeah. Um, we ended up beating Flinders um, pretty comfortably. Um, I think we bowled him out for about 120 or something and chased it one down. Yep. Um, Darty, Darty didn't get out for the last two or three games. Didn't get out in the semi-final and didn't get out in the grand final, so he didn't lose his wicket for like three months or something ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the grand final probably wasn't looking great at quite a few stages. They put 300 on the board, obviously. Um, the Saturday, we you know they were two for I don't know two for 180 or something, um, and we were staring down the barrel a little bit, uh, and they batted out their whole 113 overs, and we were three for 50 on the the Sunday night. So uh, who was left out there on Sunday night? We were staring down the barrel. Uh, Darty was in with Mardo. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the openers had just got run out. That might have been me um, to make us three for fifty. Yep. So you know, three fifty chasing three hundred, we were in a bit of trouble. But um, was it Dominator said to Dominator said to Mardo, "Oh, this is this is fine. Like Daddy's going to make a hundred, and someone just has to make sixty batting with him." And and that was uh, how it worked out. Daddy yep. made one hundred and forty, and Mardo made sixty, and. And everyone else at batter just chipped in around that. Carl, the Zimbabwean, made 20, and Poff made 20, and and Lincoln was out there when the winning runs got hit. So, uh, I've um, just got the hair sticking up now, thinking about it. Yep. That, that was just a fantastic day, and um, you probably don't want to put any negatives on it, but, yeah, Delacombe Park were just, I don't Didn't, know, it, yeah. it was just a, a vibe that wasn't overly great. For a finals, yeah, grand D- final. D- Darty said it, you know, probably don't need to go over it too much, but Darty said it in the newspaper after that game. He said, look, they probably played the man more than the ball, and yeah. and that probably sums it up. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, and I don't think they would shy away from that now either. They, you know, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was probably a summary of it. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, probably my on-field highlight from a team perspective was that that premiership year um yep 
that was I was opening the batting mostly that year um, with with Maddie Merrifield and Maddie often got out first. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd make a quick thirty or forty, and then I'd get he'd get out, and I'd be on about three, and then I'd bat with Darty for a while. And I, you know, I've said it a couple of times: is no coincidence that that was the best year I've ever had with my batting. Probably mainly because just batting with Darty every week, you know, sure. it was the best batting coaching you would ever get was was mid pitch or mid over um, with Darty. So. Yeah, that was by far my best individual year and the best team year as well. You know, in my in my time, I'd say so. Was he quite calm between overs and a bit um, not on the um, humorous side, but just very calm and um, very calm, very in control of the situation. Um, you know, he he doesn't feel like he's going to get out, so yep. that obviously he's quite calm. Whereas you know, everyone else is probably a bit nervous when they're batting. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'd just stand there and listen mid-over and a lot of the time you'd go to walk off back to the other end and he'd grab you and he'd have another something else to say. And you'd like, fuck, let me go. Like, and then he'd grab, so it's yeah. sort of the opposite of, of me and you in the A2 game last weekend where we, we, we yeah, met in the say. middle and we looked at the um, the top of the trees. Not a word was spoken. Yeah. And then we just walked off on each other. And then we both got out shortly after so <laughs> yeah you could say it was a little bit the opposite to that yeah you're um, right. I remember one time Darty said uh, no what did he do he, I was at the non-strikers end and he, he sort of took two steps down the pitch and he just flicked you know got to this ball from the one of the opening bowlers on the full and just flicked it sort of through wide mid on for four and he kept continued down the pitch a couple of steps towards me and he sort of looked up and he goes that's how we do it in the pros <laughs> And he turned around and walked off. So he was pretty good for a little... When he was feeling really good, he was he was pretty good for a little one-liner as well. That's what you need from a batsman, because it doesn't often come. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's always the other way around, so... Um, the one time I have seen him pretty intense and pretty rattled was um, was the grand final on the first day, when I, or the first week when I was batting with him. He was he was pretty intense, that... Delicum? Delicum game, yeah. He was, he was a little bit different. He wasn't as jocular. Um... But apart from that, he's very relaxed, very, very um, sort of in his little zone. Sure. Um, well, that's some behaviour that that was just disgusting from the opposition during that game, while he was fielding and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, um, whether that's why or not, I don't know. But probably, yeah, probably had a little bit to do with it, and we're you know we're under the pump in the game situation as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were into him. He did cop it. Can't remember him walking out. God, he copped it. Your character building for you, Simon. Um, I don't know where this fits in, and we do have a couple other seasons to go through. But I'm just going to bring it up now. <clears throat> um, you're 144. Can you tell us what year that was in? Who against? Where you batted? Yeah. So that was that year. Oh, really? Um, that was in that season. It was a game before Christmas, um, which is. Um, Another thing Daddy always used to say, he said the the one game you want to make runs is the game before Christmas. Yeah. Because that's when everyone, you go back to the club and everyone asks you how you went. And then after, you know, over Christmas, everyone asks you how you went. So um, it was good timing in that sense. Uh, so it was against Flinders at Flinders. Uh, we bowled them out reasonably cheaply um, and had to bat for a few overs at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, got through that, obviously, uh, and just continued on the next week. Got dropped in the first over the next week at second slip. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but after that it was just one of those days where everything just clicked um did anyone bat with you Darty partnership at, wise? So Darty at the start um and then he got out and we didn't need many to win and we sort of just got a little bit nervous we lost a couple of wickets um and then as soon as we sort of got past their score it all you know it all fell into place and and they bowled a couple of spinners that bowled a fair bit of junk and the scoreboard just kept moving and then ended up putting on 100 and something with Glenn towards the end of the day. Um, How much he made? As well, Glenn made about 70. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a few sixes. Um, but yeah, it was one of those really good days. Uh, probably the best day I've had in individually, obviously. Um, but sort of my biggest memory of that day is we, Daddy declared and, and we went into field for a little bit right at the end. Um, and just, you know, obviously, you know, I was in a pretty good mood, but that little stint of fielding, it was probably, you know, 10 or 12 overs or something. Um, but, you know, we were crowding the bat and we were talking shit and it was just so much, you know, it was such a fun yep. little experience, little, um, you know, stint out in the field. I remember Lincoln or someone said after, like, how much fun was that fielding? Like, we were just talking absolute <laughs> dross and, like... <laughs> Everyone was everyone was you know having a bowl and just bowling shit. And yeah, like it was yeah. just yeah. That that's probably almost a, a, a better memory than my actual innings that day. Yeah, right. So that was classic. Yeah, it was really 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 funny and really fun. Yeah. Um, that's sort of another thing I was going to say. Um, I you know, I really miss two day cricket. I really miss um, that late in the day. Um, whether you're batting or you're fielding, you sort of got to... I remember Terry Doyle said to me when I was really young, he said those last few overs are when you've got to be at your best, mm-hmm. you know, when you're tired and your body's sore and um, that's when you need to be at your strongest and at your best. And I sort of always remembered that, um, especially having to go in and bat. I, that's probably something I really miss is, um, you know, when that last wicket would fall and you know you're opening and you've got to go out for five or six or seven overs or whatever it is. Yep. And you've got to... You've only got 10 minutes to get ready. So you've got to run off, get changed, and you've got to get yourself switched on and ready to go in a really short space of time. Um, I really miss that with one-day cricket. Um, sure. Don't get that at all. And especially when you get, if you get through it and you come back into the rooms and everyone's sweaty and everyone's staffed and you, you know, you're sitting in the rooms and all the back slapping and all that, that's, that's a part of the game I really, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that contest and having to, get yourself up to get through something and then yeah. when, you, when you did um, it was a really good feeling and I, you know, I really missed that about two day cricket because it can change the way you're looking at the next week yeah that's exactly right if you you know and when you're bowling you, you love having to do that so you know mm. I, would, I used to love going out to, to bowl for those few overs as well even though I never bowled them mm-hmm. but oh yeah that was you know I really enjoyed doing that as well as well which I think everyone you know, all the bowlers would love that. You get a free swing at a few overs. Yeah. And if you can get a couple of wickets, yeah, it changes the whole you know, complexion of the game for the next week. And if you don't, and they put on a few runs, it you know, can go the other way. So, yeah. Well, hopefully they can bring it back over the next eight, couple yeah, of seasons, I mate. I hope they do. Can you tell us about the, um, maybe the, the COVID period of um, those last couple of seasons? Obviously the, the first season, which was... A great result, and and then the last season, I suppose. Yeah, so COVID, um, 
happened right in the in the finals I guess we we got the semi-final in and then and then the grand final got got cancelled and we got the got awarded the premiership which was um which was good I, I guess it was a little hollow in a way you know not being able to play the game mm-hmm. um but you know you take it and 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 crickets like that you sort of you accept the good with the bad in it you know in a lot of ways because we sort of got stitched up we you know we got ripped off quite a few times along the way in semi-finals and grand finals and stuff like that so mm-hmm. you know you're not accepting a premiership for you know for one week or one final series you're sort of accepting it for for everything that's happened along the way which is how i sort of looked at it well that goal um, was probably set um yeah and back the goal, in the kenny days what a decade before or something yeah like that's it. right the goal was to get to provincial and it, and you know, and that was how it. You know, we had to do all the work to get to that position to give ourselves give ourselves the opportunity to get there, and, and then that was how it sort of unfolded at the last step. So, <laughs> so you know, you accept it for that that journey rather than that last step, I guess. Um, I'm laughing because I was buying the bar with clock. And I was just having some random conversation, and when the email came, he in, had so. a beep on his phone. <laughs> shut up, Joe! Shut up. He's reading it and he just goes, flags, flags, flags. <laughs> and he's just screaming flags. <laughs> I do remember that actually. And he was, he was up, he was up and about the club. Yeah. That was a pretty good night at the club. But, um, cause we got one too in the A, A1s or whatever, the threes. Socially was... distanced, of course. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next, the first year in provincial was, um, COVID affected still. So that was a. A bit of an experience in you know, the first few games was stopping to clean the ball and, uh, and umpires wearing masks and yeah so it was pretty weird at the start but um, sort of by the end it was a pretty pretty normal year I think we lost one game got called off yep on the way um, we, we could play cricket as I say to the juniors it's just a privilege to play the game and uh, yeah. you know we're around each other yeah and then that turned out you know pretty good result we managed to to stay up by the pretty bare margin, but um, yep. and obviously that was Darty wasn't around for the second half of the year, so that was obviously a bit of a challenge that no one expected that to get that message from him at you know just before round one. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry guys, I got this job overseas and sort of threw a bit of a spanner in the works, but got away with it in the end, and and now he's back and. You're going all right again. Had a fantastic uh, last round, mate. Yeah, uh, yeah. POB. I can't. Um, I can't remember the last time we would have beaten POB in the ones. Probably well before my time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I imagine POB would have penciled that one in for a win. So um, yeah, good one. Much needed win. First yeah. win. Um, and a good bunch of lads hang around for a beer and. Um, yeah. It was good. It was a good night. It was good. Uh, good vibe at the place so yeah. that, was, uh, that was good so let's talk about the heart and soul of the place um so you're not playing as much cricket as you used to you, you tend to support the club a bit more um off field than on um so what do you love the, about, about the place mate because it's not just cricket season you hear 365 days of a bloody year mate yeah it um, feels like that um footy and cricket it must be something about this place that's in your blood. Yeah, well, it is. You know, my family's sort of been here well before me, so I guess it is in the blood in a, in a way. But I think, 
it's sort of a little bit of my personality when you buy into something um, you sort of find it hard to, to let it go again so um, yeah I don't know what it is exactly but yeah I just I just love uh, love being around the place and love trying to sort of improve it all the time um, you know you sort of you do one thing one year and and then you try and do it better the next year which is sort of Mm-hmm. how I sort of look at the committee and and sort of most things I do you know you, you're allowed to not do things that well you know the first time you do them or, or whatever or when you start doing things um but you just got to try and do that little bit better each time I guess like um you know I've been treasurer for I think this is my eighth year looking up at the board yeah right yeah uh, so it might be eighth year uh, you know, and when I started doing that, I had no idea what I was doing, but you just sort of each year you get a little bit better at it. And now, now it's, you know, it's not a massive thing and I can sort of just do it and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take up a whole lot of time or, yeah. you know, it's not, not overly difficult. So, um, yeah, just getting a little bit, a little bit better every year, I guess. Um, and, and like we touched on before with, with trying to get to provincial, you know, that was obviously a goal of everyone, you know, and then getting there, you don't want to then just walk away or you know or or you know um step away from it or anything like that so yeah so now that we're in provincial i sort of feel a little bit a little bit of a responsibility to try and try and stay there or you know set up have the club set up well enough that you know when a few of us do sort of step away um it's in a it's in a good position to to stay there so sure um you know and i will step away i will step off the committee eventually um well you won't well, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> but when I do that, I, you know, I want to be confident that yep. whoever we sort of hand it over to, he's going he's gonna to keep doing a good job and it's not going to yeah. end up like it was when, when sort of Ken and Ross and Jay and, and myself a little bit later, um, when we sort of took over, it was a bit of a sorry state there. So sure. it's a bit of a goal to, to not allow that um, to happen again, which is going reasonably well so far yeah yep um over the years you've you've probably been lucky enough to to play cricket with guys you went to school with hang with on the weekends um and through your your senior cricket um who are your your favorite teammates to to be out there with um it might be those guys it might be other random guys that are just (laughs) random Red Hilligans. <laughs> Who do you love playing cricket with? Oh well, obviously everyone from the A two team on the weekend. Yes, number one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, like you say, it's probably that group that I sort of came through with. Like Marto, Marto's probably the only one really left. Um, but there, were, there was quite a few years there where I used to field at sort of close-ish mid-wicket when Marto was bowling, and it, it felt like. You know, I stood there for about four years and Marto just bowled all day mm-hmm. and I would just throw the ball back to Marto. Yeah. Um, you know, dot ball after dot ball after dot ball. Um, yeah, so so Marto's definitely right up there. There was, he's sort of got a bit ahead of me now, but um, there was a stint there where we were pretty much on like the exact same number of games played in the first. So, um, yep. you know, the hundred and... 10 games or whatever I've played in the first probably 100 of them have been with Marto so sure so Marto's obviously 
right up there. Yeah, um, absolutely love playing with Pucci. Open used to bat a fair bit with Pucci, so that was always a bit of an adventure and, and pretty pretty entertaining. Yeah, and Pucci in the field. Um, was he a, a real punisher of a, of a batsman? Um, I'm just. Yeah. I've never seen bat, so I'm just generalising. Yeah, he gave it a bit of a whack. He yep. was uh, <clears throat> a little bit unorthodox sometimes, but um, yeah, he could give it a good clip. Um, yeah, he was always pretty entertaining mid-pitch and stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm. But a real competitor as well underneath it all. He was pretty competitive um, despite his laid-back persona. Yep. Um, Darty's obviously in a bit of a category of his own. Um, you know, if you could if you could tell me I was going to bat with Darty every week, I'd I'd be playing cricket every week. Yeah. Um, and then some of the older guys, Brownie and Ross, you know, absolutely love playing with Brownie. Um, would have loved to have played with him a bit more in his prime, um, but didn't didn't get that chance, obviously. And yeah, Ross, still love playing with Ross. It's just it's just entertaining. You just find yourself giggling. Um, yeah. But also a serious cricketer, like his crickets probably gets um, undersold a little bit. How good he was and still is in the grades he plays in now. Yeah. Um, a lot of the funniest things that have ever happened have all had Ross at the <laughs> centre of it. You know, we, we don't need to go into the French Island story again, but that is just, you know, it take cricket out of it. It's not the funniest thing I've seen in cricket. It's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and a couple of other, the other funny things with Ross, like coming out and and he's got a cheese and bacon roll in his pocket. Like, yeah. Fielding and it's just like, <laughs> and he's not doing that for shoots and giggles. No, he's, he's genuinely hungry. And there was one game, he, um, <clears throat> he one game out on the chip, and he was bowling, and he got a wicket, and he teed up with the kids, and they ran him out a cherry ripe and a solo. <laughs> he's going, oh, I'm a little bit, I'm feeling a little bit flat, and they ran him out a cherry ripe and a, and a solo to drink, you know, while we're celebrating his <laughs> wicket. Um, so that was hilarious and confusing at the same time. <laughs> And there was one time he had a little bit of a tantrum in the field and he was he had his wide brim hat and he was sort of pulling it having a little bit of a talk to himself when somebody had told him to move in the field and he's going oh, I've played enough cricket and he's pulling his hat and sort of muttering oh, that was hilarious um, but then yeah like I kept to him on the weekend and I, I stood where I thought I should stand first ball ping off the pitch yeah. nearly took me head off and went for four buys yeah and uh, he's just, just like maybe step back a couple of steps still and uh, he's still got it off oh, his three yeah. steps it's amazing such and, a good bowler and he knows as well as, as anyone that he gets underestimated just yep. because of his appearance and it he gets underestimated when he bats he gets underestimated when he bowls but does the job every game but yeah he never lets you down yeah um, you know that the first grand final we had a bit of a collapse and he came in number 11 and he batted with Darty and they probably put on another, I don't know, 40 or 50, got yeah. Darty to his 100. Yep. You know, and if he didn't do that, that game would have got super tight. Sure. We might have, you know, we could have even lost that game apart from that partnership. So, um, yeah. I don't know, we're, we're supposed to be being humorous at the minute, but um, of course then he... He'll whack on his bloody credit card, all the flights and stuff for trips away. He'll do the meals on a Thursday. He'll do the fines. He'll do the betting club. All that all that stuff. I mean, he doesn't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, he's probably somebody you... When he's not there, you realise 
how much he does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when he when he had his little COVID break <laughs> a few weeks ago, and he and he wasn't around for a few weeks, it was sort of like, shit, what's going on? Where's yeah. the food? Where's the, you know? Yeah. So yeah, unbelievable um, asset to to just walk into the club. Yeah. Whenever he did, whenever whatever year it was. Um, so it was at Ross Brownie. Um, love playing with Fluff and Nobby. They're always highly entertaining as well. And yeah and super competitive cricketers. I think the guys I like playing with are the guys that are really competitive, um, but they're also, you know, they're also enjoyable and they're also there to, to sort of have a good time as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're all there to win and we're there to, to play hard and that, but we're also here because we, we want to enjoy it as well. You know, we don't want to make it a, a shit time. So yep. guys like Fluff and Nobby and Ross and that, they're all super competitive, but they're also super entertaining as well. So yeah. they're sort of the, the perfect mix for, for my style as well. Um, you always ask guys about their funniest moments uh, on the ground or off, but I'll probably hand feed you this one just um, in that football grand final when one of our beloved uh, members in in torch was um doing his warm up and um yeah what happened yeah so it wasn't really funny um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it happened um <laughs> like most cricketers i'm a i'm a failed footballer um so yes uh grand final in 2018 uh i was the the first emergency, um, and I sort of, you know, I had my bag there just in case. And um, actually, one of the other guys had a bit of a tight hammy, and he was he was sort of umming and ahhing a little bit in the warm up, and I, I saw my ears pricked up a little bit, and um, sort of put my shorts on just in case, and and he got through, and they ran out, and um, so so I'd sort of resign myself to the fact that I wasn't wasn't playing not that I was hoping anyone got hurt or anything um and I was standing there just outside the the door of the change rooms at the the Frankston ground there and um they were just doing the last bit of the warm-up and and getting ready to line up for the national anthems and my uncle um just said uh do you want a beer and and I sort of went and he goes no no you want you want a beer um because he you know he could sort of see that I was sort of you know a bit a bit dejected that you know I wasn't playing um, sure uh, so he's walked off to get a beer well it wasn't far away the little tent it was only probably 30 metres away um, I can't actually remember who who told me I think it might have been Harry Burt came sort of running over and he's like Mocky Mocky um, just go and get changed go and get changed and he didn't he couldn't sort of didn't say anything else he's just going go and get changed so I ran inside um and had to dig through to find my bag because they'd piled all the bags, you know, for the, the the other team to come back in the reserves game. Yep. So I was digging through, found my bag, started pulling my stuff out, and he came running back in and he goes, "You're playing." And I'm going, "What's what?" Is it? And he goes, you, "Just you're playing. Get ready to squeeze again. You're in the team." So I'm just, you know, tearing every tearing my clothes, you know, getting all my stuff on. Um, I think, I think I ran. I think I ran down to the bench to get my ankles taped and, you know, it was just, just like, just bizarre. Just didn't, 
you know, couldn't process what was happening. I was sort of, yeah. Um, yeah, so then I was, I was playing and then I think just after that, or when I got to the bench, Torch was sitting there and he was pretty sort of um, inconsolable. So I figured that Torch was the one that, that wasn't playing. I didn't know what had happened. Um, yeah, so I was just, I was warming up on the on the side of the ground as the as the game started and and played in the grand final and we lost by a goal. So yeah, uh, I remember getting to the end of the you know later that night back up here or, or wherever it was and um and sort of had a bit of a moment where I thought what what actually happened today? I, I, sure. Like I was just the whole day was just a a blur. And game know. time for you? <laughs> yeah, played normal normal game time like they use the bench a lot in the seniors now so yep. yeah just went in and yeah it was it was pretty bizarre um, I played I hurt my um, ribs pretty significantly that year and missed quite a few games and I was wearing a big um, I was wearing like a it was actually a cricket thigh pad a, a kids one yeah I took the straps off and, and that was like my rib guard for that year and I I didn't know. I forgot to put that on for the grand final, so I played. Did you wear one? No. Didn't. I mean, did you wear a, a knock oh, in no. that area? No, no, I got through it all right. But yeah, I didn't mm. even realise that until sort of after the game. I went, oh, I didn't have that. You know, I didn't put my rib guard on. So I think that's I teed how much up much of a sort of a, a blur it was. Yeah, right. I think I teed up this this topic with a little bit of humour, but um, yeah, just listening to you talk about torch in the coach's box, it makes you yeah. Uh, anyone that's played footy, you'd be you'd be heartbroken. Yeah, oh yeah, it would be yeah, it'd be pretty gutting. You wouldn't um, you know, he was probably in a bit of a similar position, you know, similar state as as me. Sort of at the end of the day, he would have been thinking, what mm. what the hell happened today? It was, it was supposed to be the the biggest game of your life, sort of thing, and it you know it all dissolved in your hands. Um, yeah, yeah um, it's sort of ironic that you know it was torch one of my mates and that that went out for me to come in it was sort of a, yeah one of those bittersweet things can we can we continue on torch just for the hell of it because he's not in our country because there's yeah, a, just a funny issue <laughs> <coughs> i wasn't there but i've got a couple of um photos and i had a laughing attack on the couch by myself um sitting yeah, at home on the couch with muhammad um did he get trapped in his car once by himself at dramana <laughs> footy oval yeah what happened <laughs> When he had that uh, the green station wagon, he, um, yeah, it was the end of the day, and he was trying to leave. And uh, I don't know, I, I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why he didn't have his keys. For some reason, his keys must have been out of the car. But yeah, he was sitting in his car, and uh, all the doors were locked, and they wouldn't open. And where was Torch? He was, he was in the car, <laughs> in the front seat. And he, everyone was walking past going, Torch, try and lift the, you know, the lock. And he's going, do you think I haven't tried that? <laughs> like, wouldn't that, everyone's going, just lift it up. He's like, I fucking tried that, you. So, How long know, was he in there? He was in there a while. And, and, and I think everyone sort of went, oh, well, Torch, that's a shame for you. And everyone, <laughs> everyone got in their cars and left. Because Digger um, gave us a selfie of this massive <laughs> yeah. smile with the anxiety ridden torch, torch. Um, red, red in the face <laughs> with a big selfie of dig uncentered to me <laughs> jeez it was funny I think he he eventually um, somehow got the boot open yeah 
to to uh, escape the car. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but God, it was funny. Funny for everyone else except the torch. Because <laughs> he couldn't start the car. Like, it, it must have been, yeah, it must have had the, the immobilizer. Yeah. So it couldn't start or unlock the doors, which was, yeah, could only happen to torch. I couldn't, couldn't imagine that happening to anyone else. Well, that's what he gets for buying an old Bombardor. <laughs> um, as we usually do in the lower grades, we, f- we finish up hopefully earlier than the ones and twos and come up and have a beer and watch and, might have been a couple of seasons ago, enjoying a Melbourne with a couple of the lads, and I think you're at square leg, and you just you just pulled something ridiculous um, catching wise. Do you remember that catch that you uh, took it around square leg? Yeah, I do remember that. I think I was just uh, just in front of square. I think Lincoln was bowling um, to uh, Reese Elmy who from Baden Powell and he sort of does flick a lot like that so mm-hmm. you know we weren't we weren't really I wouldn't say we were bowling to get him out like that but we know he does flick like that a lot so you are sort of looking for it so I was sort of half expecting a something to come my way and um, yeah he clipped one clipped one you know in the air and to your left or to, to your right it was my right hand so it must have been that way um, and it just went in like the cleanest a ball could possibly go in your hand. Like, didn't even feel it. Just, dunk, just yeah. But your it. body position was pretty horizontal. Oh, I had to, yeah, I had to go a little, little distance to my right, and and it was sort of, um, sort of a nice height because I had to sort of go up a bit, so you could sort of just naturally, um, you know, reach sort of upwards and outwards. Yep. Um, I think they're sort of easier to catch than the low down ones or the you know the more sort of shoulder height ones um so it was yeah it was um look i'd say it was more luck than good planning but it was um a yeah, talking it was a nice point. catch it was a nice catch um i was happy with it <laughs> um, and I, I bump into reese occasionally as well and he, he always brings it up does he yeah um because it was because uh it got a mention in the local paper that week which would have had colette written all over it um he um, spoke, talked it up a bit. I think yeah. he said it was the greatest catch in local cricket um, <laughs> ever. Uh, but I do remember Donnie Edwards was there that day, and he um, he did come up to me and he said, that's the best catch I've ever seen. Oh, um, cool. And Donnie... Was it a sponsor and past players day? Or? It might have been, yeah. It might, it might have been. Um, it was late in the year, I remember that. Um, yeah, and Donnie's watched probably you know five million games of cricket in his life. So, mm. um, yeah, that was pretty nice to hear. Um yeah. I have pride. I do uh, pride myself on my catching, sort of all through my cricket. Um, yeah, obviously dropped a few, but yeah, I sort of I've always enjoyed taking a catch. Have you had a look at your numbers? Yeah, I think Brian puts the um, the catches up on the website, and or oh, it's obviously on my cricket. You must yeah, be up there. Yeah, I'd be I'd be well up there. I've done a bit of keeping as well, so that sort of inflates it a little bit. It does. Um, but yeah, like some of those, the catching stats are probably the the least reliable. I'm guessing out of all of them, because I'm sure they they didn't get filled in the book correctly mm-hmm. um, for a lot of years there. So yeah, um, you know, I'm probably not realistically that high all time. But sort of in the last, you know, uh, the last few years, the time I've been playing, I'd be pretty high up there. I'm guessing, um, especially keeping a bit as well. Yep. Um, yeah. So. 
that sort of goes back to that finishing the the day really strong as well. You know, always try to always try to be up in the field all through all through the day. You know, try to finish as as well as you start. You know, there's sort of nothing worse than dropping catches right at the end of the day when you just want to get off the field. So you sort of got to hold on to. Yeah, they're almost more important than the ones in the in the second over. Oh, it's a weird game, isn't it? How it can change when you can just be everyone's bummed out. Oh, all of a catching sudden, just it's just bang. I remember we we used to speak about it a bit, making sure that you create ten chances for wickets and you take ten chances. Yep. You know, if you're dropping catches, you that means you 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 know you're creating 13, 14 chances to get your ten wickets. Like, and you even saw it. You even see it in the top level. Like England, if England had held their catches in this series, they would have had Australia under a lot more pressure. Like, I think the gap between Australia and England got high, got widened by catching so much. Sure. Like, I don't think Australia are that much better mm-hmm. than England, but Australia held their catches and England didn't, so it just... Sure. It just it ballooned. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, one day cricket with Darty, you know, we, we always thought we were the best fielding side, um, and it probably did win us a lot of games that were, you know, close-ish games. And like some of the catches Darty's taken and the runouts and that, you know, they're absolutely game changing. Um, yeah, so. And his routine before, well, not before training because it is training, but his his first half an hour, even if it was just make sure you do your twenty twenty and twenty with a mate, just some simple throw and catch, and then he's three or yeah. four rotational move arounds. Yeah, um, it's just the basics, it's the fundamentals, but it wins you so many games that you don't even you know you don't realise you know. Yeah, and we do our 20, 30 minutes of, tra- of fielding before training and you go, oh, bloody hell, I'm not fielding again. And you'd sort of, you know, you just want to just try to get through it. But mm. it makes yeah, a huge, yeah. huge difference in uh, over the course of a season, I think, especially with one-day cricket yeah, um, where there are more chances and half chances and things like that, run-outs. Mm. Yeah. Hey, um, last night, um, mum and dad came around for dinner and... We were watching just the, the big bash and listening to commentators shit me and, and Thomas laughed at tears and I've gone, oh, Dad, check this. And I put Frogbox on and I don't know if, if, if that's Glenn's doing, um, but just sensational, just absolutely brilliant. The, um, the camera work is second to none. You know, it obviously doesn't follow the ball, but um, we watched the whole game. What are your yeah, thoughts on pretty, sort um, of the IT these days on local cricket? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, I had super. I had a text message from Super Tuesday night after the game. He said, you know, similar thing. He goes, mate, that was awesome on the big screen. Yep. What did he say? He goes, that was really cool to watch on the big screen, apart from Ken's umpiring. So, you know, he's right <laughs> on two fronts there. Um, yeah, but it's awesome for something that takes five minutes to set up you know you literally take it out of the box stand it up and turn it on and that's it yeah um yeah it's awesome and and it's also a really good tool for coaching and you know and just reflecting on the game you you know you might just notice something that you don't even know you're doing or someone else is doing or 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 putting in slow motion and his legs side uh stumping off sharp piece of work um (laughs) you know he's probably in the top Top two keepers at the club after the, the A two wicket keeper. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but um, and the sponsor know, local, signs, Mucky, like in the background. Oh, those signs, they just look magnificent. Yeah, you got up there, PY Timber, Balura Electrical, Mornington Motor Group. There was a guy that helped us put those up, uh, Simon Riley. I Simon think. Riley, he was best on ground. I think he's probably pushing for Clubman of the Year <laughs> um, for that for that um, Herculean effort. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Frog Box is awesome. Like, local footy's gone that way with all the games being filmed, um, you know, for the last few years. So. Cricket was probably always going to head that direction, and, and I'd be very surprised if every club, you know, doesn't have one of those things in yep. the next couple of years. Um, you know, I think it costs three thousand bucks, so it's a bit of an investment, but you know, it's pretty got it for life. Yeah, pretty well spent, um, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, and you know, when you got the live scoring on there as well, you know, it's batting lineups. It's a bit of a bit of a hassle to find someone to you know to do the score every week on a Saturday but yeah yeah, for the 2020 games when there's helpers around it's yeah it's awesome yeah Um, yeah and and a few weeks ago Mardo Mardo said oh I was watching the replay of the game and I didn't realize I turned blind all the time like Mm -hmm. you know something he's never realized he's never picked up on and and um you know watching it for five minutes he's going oh shit what am I doing like yeah yeah so um yeah, when we get a bit better at it and we, we sort of teach a few more people to, to set it up and use it properly, we can set it up for training. You know, the juniors can use it. If, yep. you know, you've got a coach that, that knows how to run it and you can, you know, um, really use it as a, a coaching tool as well. So, yeah, I think it'll um, pay for itself pretty comfortably. Yeah, and it's got everything. Um, run rates, it's got the batting lineup because I wanted to show Dad how Schmitty went out and then Lincoln ran out of the club rooms and said, well, batted Schmitty. <laughs> um, so that was delicious to hear. Um, yeah, good tool. Um, this is now an ad for Frogbox. If, um, yeah, it is. <laughs> Frogbox want to send us a check, that'd be appreciated. Yeah. Um, Bonzo- Along with um, Elwood and Pinnacle Road and uh, anyone else. I think Bonza Brew and um, the Cellar and Pantry possibly as well. Uh, moving on, um, let's let's just finish up perhaps by focusing on the rest of the season, Andy. And I don't know, maybe what you'd like to see around the place on field and off and, and have a successful enough um, 2021 or whatever it is, 21, 22, is it? Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, hopefully that win on the weekend can give the the first a bit of momentum and they can sort of push up. You know, it's such an even comp with only eight teams. You sort of win two or three games and you, you know, you probably go up three or four spots in the ladder. So if they can win again this week, they're probably, you know, back in sort of finals contention um, in a way. So, you know, I think that win should sort of um, give them a bit of a bit of momentum and push them up a bit. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be a bit of a battle to fill all the sides from, from here on. But if we can sort of get through the rest of the year and, and field our six sides every week, that would be a massive achievement. Like, I, I still sort of think it's pretty incredible that Red Hill's got six sides. Um, mm. So if we can keep them on the park every round would be a, a pretty big achievement. Um, I think the fours are looking like they're going to play finals, so that'll be that'll be nice for them to get a final in. Um, Six sixes are going well. I think they're where are they? I think they're going really well. I think they are they second or something like that. Uh, so yeah, if we can get you know two or three sides in the finals, that'll be another 
pretty good achievement. I think the thirds, if they can win every game from here on, there might be a chance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, the thirds are probably a bit like the ones. Um, you know, if they win a, you know, the next couple, you sort of jump from, you jump up spots pretty quick. So yeah. Um, and the seconds as well to win in those two games before Christmas sort of put them in the pack a bit. So mm-hmm. um, you only need a bit of luck in the seconds sometimes, like with your who's available and who's yep. not available. Um, yeah, they can have a pretty good side most weeks. They might be a bit of a chance. Um, what else? I think the juniors are going pretty well, aren't they? Yeah, yep. Um, lucky enough to have three seniors come along tonight and help the under-14s, Neil, Andy and Nobby. So that would be a good opportunity for the uh, the boys to listen to someone else except for my voice. And Neil's recommended to get the bowling machine up and going and, and then we'll have a bowling focus next week and a fielding focus the week yeah, after. That'll be, be awesome having some senior guys around. Um Andy's been a pretty serious pickup um, yeah. for somebody who just walked into the club. You know, we've been basically searching for a keeper for, you know, multiple years yep. you know, without any success, really. Um, and then to have one just appear gift wrapped <laughs> <laughs> was uh, pretty awesome. And he's a pretty serious cricketer as well. So Just a legend of a awesome. lad. And, uh, and Neil as well. I think Neil's going to be a bit of an asset um, yeah. moving forward as well. So yeah, yeah, we've uh, had a few good inclusions around the place this year, and obviously, um, Daddy coming back from Japan was a pretty handy inclusion. Yep, yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, it, it's sort of. I think before Christmas, it sort of didn't quite happen. It didn't quite work out, but I think it sort of turned a bit of a corner, and it seems like it's things are starting to fall into place, and. Um, Maybe gain a bit of momentum, Andy. Starting to pick up, yeah, a bit of momentum. So, yeah, just got to keep that going, and hopefully, um, nobody ends up with COVID on a Friday before a game or anything <laughs> like that. So, yeah, we can keep our best sides out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, is there anything else you want to um, add to this episode, mate? That I did want to mention. Um, yeah. So, like, I started this this podcast um, in the in the midst of the lockdown so it was it was a bit of a boredom thing and it was you know a little project uh for myself but you know it's a podcast about one cricket club on the peninsula so you know i'm not doing it to reach thousands of people or anything like that but the um the amount of uh enjoyment i guess that other people have got out of this has been incredibly sort of heartwarming for me i guess so um like just on the weekend, um, it sort of came up on Saturday, and and Nobby was saying that after he did he did his episode, he got messages from all these people saying, you know, how funny mm. was that? That story was awesome. Um, so that was really really nice to hear that, um, you know, people are listening to it and people are really enjoying it, and I'm sure like Nobby got a real lift out of that as well, getting all those messages. Hundred percent, mate. And so sort of that was a bit of the goal especially when in lockdown when it was a bit hard to you know see your mates and that sort of thing um to sort of try and keep the club a bit more connected i guess that's sort of the the buzzword in in society and in sport is uh connectedness so um yeah all the all the support and and uh you know, it was a bit nerve-wracking when i when i sort of put it out and i said look i've done this 
this episode and I, I sort of put the link out there and um, I did it sort of late at night so I could just sort of send it and then yep and then you know forget about it and then I woke up the next morning and had you know all these messages and and you know screenshots of people listening in their car and listening you know and that was you know that was just the first episode so um, you know that was really really nice and I, and I hope that everyone who's done an episode or who's listened to an episode has has been enjoying it um, and I, I think it's sort of um, achieved what I what I hoped it would achieve um, sure I know there hasn't been any episodes for a while it's sort of um, it is quite time consuming and it does sort of you know you do need a bit of a break for it but uh, I'll probably try to get back into a bit of a, a season two I guess and, and do a few more over the next few weeks and get a few more out there um, while the season's still going uh, there's an absolute absolute brainwave um, that you came up with it um, uh, yeah I'd only sort of listened to one or two podcasts just a couple of surfing ones and so on and then when one was so close to home listening to guys you rub shoulders with there was just something about it it was amazing um, and guys like Sammy Ferguson and that opening right up and um, not having the light taken away from him at the front of the club rooms on a Saturday night from your your loud lads, <laughs> he can open up to you for a, a half an hour and yeah. you, f- you find out all this info and he spoke beautifully, as did Nobby and all these these interesting guys around the club and you've um, yeah you've reached inside all those guys and so, got the yeah. gold out, you know. So the idea, it sort of started from um, the 100-year sort of celebration uh, function that may or may not ever happen mm-hmm. um, and I sort of wanted to it initially started it as like a book idea like put together sort of a bit of a you know a book record you know whatever you want to call it um, with some stories and some player profiles and some stats and whatever and sort of make it a bit of a memento for the hundred years and and that sort of uh, quickly sounded like too much work. So that sort of um, got pushed a little bit and it sort of morphed into this, which, um, you know, is probably a bit more accessible and a bit more, um, you know, you can sort of just put them out there and they'll sort of stay there. And people yep. can find them as they want to find them. Um, Jim White did a, did a book for the footy club and it's, it's very, very thorough and it's got all the game, you know, it's basically got every game match results that the the footy club's ever played but it doesn't have any stories it doesn't really have any um you know things that happened it's got you know things that he's found in the paper and a few things like that but it doesn't really have people telling stories and telling things that happened to them and things they've seen Sarah angles like that. so yeah. um yeah that was sort of where it where it um came from and what it sort of morphed into and yeah it took a little bit it took a bit to figure out how to do it and, and how it was going to work and then, you know, doing it without being able to, to see anyone in person at, at first. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how it worked out. I got my, got the logo designed and... What about the little... Uh, hardware. The, um, <laughs> the little song that we included, you you included at the front there at yeah, the start the, of it. the that theme song that we... Great thinking. ...that we sing in the rooms, yep. um, or the first verse. Um <laughs> I don't actually know who who brought in the uh, the Red Hill theme song. Probably Brownie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I threw that in there as a little bit of a an in joke, yeah. in reference. Um, yeah. So. No, it's a great thing you've done, mate. Been, and 
yeah, congratulations on it because uh, I know everyone listens to it. Um, is there anything else, mate? Um, no, I think that's just about it. Mm. I think I've got it. I think I've covered everything. Well, I think on behalf of the whole club, thanks on all your involvement with the um, the on-field, the off-field, all the work you do during the week. You're often the uh, the first here and the last to leave without guys like you. Um, the club just isn't um, what it is. So, um, handshake over the microphone, mate. Thank you, Dylan. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you for kind words. Uh, no worries at all. And we'll, uh, we'll see you in a few hours for some refreshing beverages and... Um, refreshing... Bonzo beer. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll give Roscoe a hand in the kitchen, no doubt. Do. All right, signing off, everyone. Thanks, Andy.